Hi, present day Chris here to introduce our first replay episode of the summer. This one is the first episode we did with Kitty, episode four on what makes games fun for us. But before you decide to delete this as a rerun, don't. It's good. I promise. There's also about 15 minutes of new content at the end of the episode where we all get together and talk about how things have changed since this episode was first published. I'm calling this new content the epilogue to these episodes, and, fair warning, they were all recorded before episode 200 was, which really doesn't mean anything except that there are times that podcast time gets a little wonky, but it's all good though, I promise. Anyway, so that's why this episode is long, and if you really, really don't like listening to old stuff, you can always jump ahead to the new content by just skipping forward one hour, four minutes, 30 seconds after I'm done introducing it. But you wouldn't do that, right? Because if you did, you'd miss a baby update. Okay, fine. The baby update is right now. Kitty had a baby last Friday, June 26, 2020. Um, both mom and baby are doing great. So if you want to tweet her, you can tweet her at Lawful Good Mom and say hi and congratulations and all of that. Okay, that's enough preamble. What's the point of replaying episodes to take a needed break if I just ramble on anyway? But no Kitty, no Fletcher, no Josh. It's not a bad idea. No, no. Let's just cue the music and kick this summer event off. Hello and welcome to episode four of Tabletop Game Talk, the show where we talk about tabletop games of all types. I'm one of your hosts, Josh. And I'm Chris. And I'm a new host, Kitty. Woo! (laughs) Today we're going to do something different. In fact, we'll continue doing this going forward. So let's start with our off-topic segment. And Chris can tell us what's up. Yeah, so we get a decent amount of feedback. We did. Um, Yeah, almost all in person. Mm. Um, My friends are very kind. When asking them about the show, they're like, yeah, I liked it. When proposing a possible alternative to the format, they're like, oh, yeah, that would be much better. Nice. So, um, that's the most positive way to get negative feedback. Uh, and so, we're going to change a few things. Number one, this was not via feedback, just, I think, you know, in conversation, good choices. We've added a new host, Kitty. So, welcome, Kitty. Hello. So, Kitty, um, we've known each other for quite some time now. I've uh, played many games together. Mm-hmm. And you are what I would consider a serious casual gamer. <laughs> that sounds fair. Yeah. So you don't play a lot of games, but when you do, you're really serious about it. I'm very competitive. Yes. Which I is, like that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> and Josh, you're competitive as well. I am. And I just win a lot. So. Yeah. You, even but apparently wanting. you don't care about I it. Really According to you, yeah, I it's like, oh, I can take it or leave it. But you yeah. still keep taking it. Yeah. And, and I will say that that's kind of fun. Um, <laughs> but I actually, a lot of it's fun just watching the looks on your faces as, wait a minute, why did I lose? Right. So, um, so yeah. So Kitty's going to come in. She's adding another voice. Uh, hopefully she will disagree with us often. That's. Yeah. Yeah. It's a boring podcast if you just always agree with each other. True. Right. True. Yeah. See, you guys are doing it right now. You should be disagreeing. Try, try it. Yeah. Right now. How it's dare really you? Awful. Or no, I'm supposed to be the other way. We can't both disagree now. <laughs> I'm getting. I'm getting confused now. Do I have to go double negative on what Kitty says? Or it's well, you have to disagree with both of us by agreeing with one of us and not the other. Okay. Also, your opinion has to dissent. I'm taking notes. It's going to be a really confusing thing. Right. So the other bigger change, um, maybe not bigger, but significant change from the previous podcast um 
is we're going to change what we're talking about on the podcast. So talking about an individual game, uh, in theory, sounds like a great idea, unless you've never played that game, and then you're just listening to someone talk about a game they play that you're not really familiar with. Mm -hmm. So we're still going to talk about games, but we're going to do it in a format with a general topic to it. Uh, We'll talk about uh, several games that fall into that format. For this particular episode, though, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about what makes a game fun for us kind of get to know the three of us, what we look for in games. Um, More importantly, what we don't look for in games. I think it's a lot easier to kind of say what I don't like in games than what you do. Um, So we'll talk about that. And the last thing that we've changed is the number of segments. We're going to have off topic. That's what we start with. That'll be news, um, any kind of announcement. uh, Anything we talk about that isn't about the topic is off topic. And then we have on topic. So... Um, we're going to jump right into on topic because I think this is going to be a fun one. Uh, unless you guys have any other news announcements, things you'd like to talk about. Not off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, I think we're good. All right. Yep. Blank stairs. They, they look good. So, um, sound great on, on radio. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's get on topic. In this episode, we're talking about what makes a game fun, where we're going to find out what each of us looks for in a game, as well as things we don't like. All right. So I uh, posed this question to you guys earlier this week and basically saying, you know, come up with three to five things you like about games. Um, And then I posed that question to myself and that became a much harder question to ask. So I'm going to ask you guys first, what one thing do you really look for, like, when you're playing a game, this game's fun because fill in the blank. Kitty? Um, well, are we talking about just what's fun of a game, or why is it fun to play Why games? is it fun for you? It's a lot of the times it's about the people you play with, not just the game that you're playing. Ooh, that's so. a good one. That is a good, I hadn't even thought of that. So, so if you had to put it in an actual game, games that bring people together and yes. cause interaction. Mm-hmm. All right. I like that. I, that's... Yeah. I mean, I, does that... I'm trying to think now. So what what kind of falls more under that category? What type of games fall more under that category than don't? I mean, immediately I'm thinking sort of like things like social deduction games, where the point is like you're talking to each other, right? Uh, See, would that's that... something I don't like, though. Right, right, <laughs> I, right, right. I'm not a social deduction game enthusiast. I'm... That's interesting. Yeah. Why, though? Why do you think you don't like that one, though? Um, that style? Because it's easier for a strong personality to manipulate. That's so true. It, well, that maybe it's just because I only play them with Chris. <laughs> <laughs> he's so extremely good at this he, kind of games. He has a very strong personality in those games, and he's usually the one who knows the rules the best, Yeah, which makes it very easy to because the arguments. amount of games of werewolf i've played where everyone's like oh but that person's being quiet so let's get rid of them because even if they're you know not a werewolf then they're not helping us so i can kind of get that it's like if, if that's not your style and you don't want to be the loud one talking constantly mm-hmm. then yeah i totally get that yeah and well to be fair i always get the chris must be the bad one <laughs> <laughs> accusal all right. the time in these kinds of games. So even though the strong personality definitely 
doesn't necessarily Obviously, always I've, I've seen you turn it around just as many times. Like, yeah, you get accused a lot, but you normally manage to divert it away. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, you got to know how to manipulate. I mean, play well with people. <laughs> so it's, it's all good. Um, all right. I like that one, though, because being having a game that brings people together and mm. really a game that facilitates everyone having a good time yeah. um, is one of the reasons I think we all play games. Um not always. There are some people that are playing them for, I want to win, I want to analyze, I want to solve this puzzle. Um, so that's why I think it is a very valid thing. It's like, I play games that other people are having fun to play. Yeah. I think that's a good one. I, I, I mean, I completely agree with that as well. I just like, you know, any game that brings people together. And I mean, on the social deduction front, I was wondering if if part of that, like, thing that you don't like is almost like the werewolf thing where someone's eliminated quite quickly or whether it's strictly the whole genre because i don't know some of them don't like eliminate people straight away maybe that's slightly better or is it not um i don't like them because the strat like there's no turn-based strategy it's just purely like we're gonna it's gonna take as long as it's gonna take for us to kind of make this decision right um there's I like structure. I like rules. And that's yeah, like okay, I get that. Yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, there are a lot of social deduction games out there that are trying to add structure to it. Um, right. Again, like Secret Hitler, um, Avalon, those types of things. Add some structure to it where yeah. you can look at just look at what the mechanics of the game, and from that try to figure things out. Um, I think what puts a lot of people off from a, many social deduction games is the constant accusal of your lying. Yeah. You know, if you don't want to defend yourself or you're not comfortable with people not trusting you. Oh, it's stressful. Right. It can be very stressful. Yeah. And there's not, people don't necessarily like that. And yeah. I've seen many, many people who get angry because you're accusing them of something. It's like, it's just a game. I, right. But yeah. they take it outside the game. Right. So that's yes. very true. Right. So I enjoy them more when I play them with people I know. Right. People that aren't going to get offended when yeah. I accuse them yeah. or. Um, yeah, I can tell their tells when they're lying. Yeah. All right, Josh, putting you on the spot, something you really like while playing a game. Um, well, it's kind of a really obvious one, but I do love competition in games and, and something that has that competitive element. Um, I just, even from a very young child, I remember very vividly, there was like a sports day type thing at nursery. And that, you know, like where you sack race and egg and spoon and all that. And that was the first time I even sort of was very consciously aware that I could like win something versus other people. And I was like, this is amazing. And you would get prizes and stuff for winning. I'd be like, I was like, oh my God, I could be like the best person here. Um, so it, it is, it's a bit of a drug. Um, and it's a double edged <laughs> sword because. You know, if you like winning, then you probably hate losing. And, That's true. and and that can be, I mean, the amount of times me and my brothers would play games, like video games even, and I'd just be like throwing the controller around when someone beat me at Street Fighter to get into angry things. I mean, I've calmed down a lot over the yeah. years, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, a real you've only thrown thing. a few controllers at me so far. Yeah. Which is weird <laughs> because we haven't actually been playing video games. No, well, <laughs> I had to throw something. Yeah, I guess you just carry it around with you, I guess. I think that's why board games have pieces so yes. that you can throw them when you get frustrated. Yes. Right? That's another so. thing I like about the board games. <laughs> there, there is, there is that. So does that mean that you are gravitating more towards competitive games where it's free for all, everyone against each other? Do you more like team games? Um, or what about co-op games where you're just, you know, fighting against the board? Um, 
See, playing against the board doesn't really feel as much of a competition. And I'm sure lots of people agree with that statement. It's just, if you're a competitive person, it doesn't feel like, oh, I, I, you know, it's we were beaten by the game. No, it's not. I it's, agree. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is. It's just like when you're against other people, I suppose that's how you're judging yourself is like versus other people. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I beat everyone. So Ooh. I'm, so I'm taking it from both of you that cooperative games, they're okay, but really not the most fun for you they're not the games that i seek out okay yeah and uh, well you but know when compo- put in front of me i'll play them there are okay. some cooperative games that are adding elements of competition as well like you know you're kind of against the game but you're also someone's going to win at the end of it yep but i mean i don't know do you would you consider that still a co-op game a pure co-op game so and we're going to do a show purely on co-op games yep. we're also going to do a show on hidden trader games which are co-op you think you're working with everyone, but somebody uh, is not mm-hmm. working with you, yep. um, which happened to be my favorite kinds of co-op games, which are still you working against the board. Mm. Um, you're working together or are you yeah. type of game. So those ones I, I find fun. Uh, strictly co-op where it's here's solitaire, but you're playing with multiple people. Not the most entertaining thing. Um, although I will say that I've played several lately. Um, Firefly... Uh, Legendary Encounters was one I really enjoyed, and that's a pure co-op game. Uh, we just recently got Hogwarts Battles, the Harry Potter deck-building cooperative game. Um, oh, also game. very fun. Wow. So, uh, yeah, you haven't played it yet. You were gone for this weekend. Right. Well, but I have played a demo at... At Gen Con, yes. Yeah, so... So, we'll play through that um, and see. But it, I will say... Once you've played through and discovered it, both Firefly and Harry Potter, and actually I'll throw this to me and ask myself the same question right. about I find fun. Um, both of them have licenses behind them, strong licenses and strong themes. Right. Um, so I want to kind of say that themes are something that I enjoy in a game. Uh, mm. There are many games that are great, but if the theme doesn't catch me, I have a hard time wanting to go back and play it again. Right. Uh, one of the classic examples is Splendor. Uh, that game, theme-wise, is very, very generic. You're catching, you know, collecting gems, buying chips and stuff. The game is very compelling, and I love playing it. But the theme is really hard for me to sell to somebody. It's like, oh, yeah, you're a gem farmer or something. No, just trust me. Sit down and play the game. You'll have fun. Right. Um, so I think theme really helps a lot. And when playing something like Harry Potter or Firefly, once I play through it, I don't know if I'll go back and play it again, uh, short of trying to see if there's different combinations. Like Firefly is interesting because you kind of get to play with what combinations are going to work. Right. And I think that is my biggest thing I like in games is the ability to play the game again with a completely different strategy, completely different setup, starting, you know, just from nothing. Like, okay, this strategy worked for me last yeah. time. Will this strategy work for me now, this time? Yeah, because it seems to me, and I could be wrong, so correct me if I am, but that your interest is is about almost understanding the system and almost like playing that, you know, because you, you seem to collect so many and, and enjoy the kind of almost meta of it, you know, the kind of, oh, how, how have they constructed this and, and working out how it all fits together and, and enjoying that aspect of it. Am I wrong or right? I'll be honest. Um, many games I buy, I'd be totally happy just reading the rule book and never playing the game. Like right. I, It's I more love... about the theory, the understanding yes. than yep. it is about the play. Yep. And exploring that. So when I find a game that allows me to explore within the game, 
different combinations of different things I can do. That's the kind of game that really I want to go back to. I want to try it again. I want to, let's play this one again. Let's try it a different way. Um, you know, that's why we were talking about Scythe, the number of different combinations that you can play at the beginning, just to see if that could be a better winning strategy or not. Um, sometimes I'll take a losing strategy, something that where someone's like, Oh, this is the weakest and play that because that is fun to me to try. Are you trying to, are you trying to prove that wrong? Um, I'm trying to prove it wrong or put myself in a disadvantaged position. Um, because he's so good at winning. I know. Not necessarily. And yes, scary. but no, <laughs> it's really scary. I know. It's, it's really about if I read the system first and I can read through the rules and I can see the strategy that puts me ahead of somebody that I'm like teaching the game Definitely. to. Definitely. Yeah. So because I'm still working on discovering what that strategy is, is well, other people are still working on what discovering what the strategy is. Mm-hmm. I'll put myself in a situation like, okay, well, let me try to play the underdog position here. And it's fun for me to try to dig out of that. Yeah, that makes sense because you're right. I mean, most of the time you're sitting a group of people down who haven't played the game that you just bought, but you've read the rule book back to front a couple of times, watched a few videos and how it's played. You're already like four steps ahead strategy wise in that sense. Yeah. Even though I've never played the game. Right. Yep. You're a big mm-hmm. researcher though. I, I definitely like to know how to play the game ahead of time. And and that's going to be the topic of our next episode, truly, is if I'm the one teaching the game, I need to know it inside and out even before I play it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, But part of preparing for that also gives me an edge in that first time I play the game. So let's go to the other side. We're, We're going to do some fun stuff. But now let's go to Kitty and we're going to say something you really don't like in games. Uh, that a game you were playing, it's like, I just don't like this component. I don't like this aspect. I don't like this look, this feel, this theme, whatever it could be. All right. This one comes from my husband as well as from me. And that is overly complicated rule books. When you pick it up and it is like, there's an index to the rule book. It's, I don't even want to read it. Right. Um, See, and, that seems like the opposite. From Chris. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> not necessarily. Uh, there are a lot of games out there that have rule books that are just overly, comp- overly complicated for what the game is. Yes. Mm, yeah. If there's a 40 uh, page yeah. rule book for a game that you can explain in five minutes. Oh, yeah. Why is the rule book 40 pages? Um, but it's giving it, you an overview of like, the background history of uh, this land and like you have to like flip through five pages to get to the core rules right. and you just want to get just I just yeah. want the one page quick start how do I win yep and and I think a lot of games when they have the all these extra fiddly rules like these these kind of edge cases that come up every once in a while like just remove that from your game. Right. If it's just an edge case, it's not part of the rules. It's just something I have to look up when this happens. Yeah, that's and, true. If you have too many of them, then you're like, oh, wait, what? You have to keep going back to the rule book, right? Yep. So, and they, there is their place for them. There are some very epic games and people like really epic games. And I, I'm one of them. I mean, I, mm. I can really sink into one of these games. Um, but if I'm going to invest that much time in it, it better be a, a really good game. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, after I'm done with that, I better feel like, oh man, I want to do that again. Right. So, what about you, Josh? Something you really don't like? Um, hmm. See, this is a tough one because my mind automatically just springs to the positive. Um, so I've I've struggled with this because <laughs> you're a bit. such a positive such a person. I know, I'm just so sunny, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, to me, actually, it's the it's, it's the opposite of what you were saying earlier. And and there's some games that really kind of focus you to just kind of like be in your own little world, and you're kind of um, I don't know, like settling up some sort of uh, resources, and that you know you're kind of like essentially not really interacting with people hardly at all during the whole game and you're almost like playing your own little game and then at the end it's like oh let's see who won this game we were happening to play at the same time but so group solitaire yeah right but it's just like you know you can have a game where you're kind of focused on more on what you're doing and and you and you don't interact with each other kind of on the board as much but you still get to talk to each other but it's when yeah, it's when it almost discourages that conversation, any conversation whatsoever, and you're just there kind of like, oh, I'll do this, I'll do that, no talking. Do you know what yep. I mean? Yeah, and there are a number of games like that. I mean, actually, Scythe has those kind of elements. Yeah. You can play that game. Go ahead. But I think that's why they added the you get points when person to your left and right does something yeah. because that kind of brings you out of the, like, I have to be paying attention to what other people are doing on their turn. It's yeah. not mm. just sit and stare at my board piece like I'm planning what because yeah. you, yeah. you have to know what everyone else is doing or you're going to miss out on points yep. right. but it that almost feels if you don't use that um, enlisting action then you're still kind of independent if you stay within your area on the map you're still kind of independent mm. there are ways you can com- like interact with people of course yeah. but it isn't as present as other games could be um, there's a game called Roll for the Galaxy, which I really enjoy, but it is a solo dice rolling game. Um, right. You know, Race for the Galaxy, I have actually not played that. I own it. We should try that sometime. Right. But Roll for the Galaxy is you're making your own engine, you're collecting your own dice, you're doing your own thing. Uh-huh. And the only interaction you have with the other players is what actions happen within a given round. And that's right. it. So you can kind of look around and say, okay, well, Kitty needs to do a production action because that would be her best bet. Sure. So I'm not going to use production because I think she's going to activate it. So I'm going to use, you know, attack or whatever I might want to use. Um, but that's the only place that there's any interaction. Everything right. else is just in your own little grit. Right. And that game is so tricky to win because you're just trying to get your engine working the fastest. Right. Because you're not really paying attention to what other people are doing, and you can't mm. stop them, even if you did know what they were doing. Right. I feel like we played that two or three times in one night, and I still have no idea what I'm doing in that game. Yeah, because you don't really need to. You just kind of get lucky in whether or not you do yours faster or not. So, I enjoyed the game. I just think it is one of those things where you you don't really have to put a lot of thought. I mean, I can see some level in, of enjoyment in it. Like even like you say, Scythe's a bit like that, and I did enjoy Scythe. And and it's there is I suppose if you don't like confrontation, you know, much like the people who don't like to be accused during the social deduction games, if you don't like that kind of oh, someone's going to come in and attack me if I'm doing my thing or someone's going to come in and mess up what I'm doing, then I can see the appeal for some people. It's like, oh yeah, like I can just safely do my thing and we're all happening to do the thing around a table together. Um, yeah, just for yeah. me, it's like oh, I, I want some sort of interaction. That's actually a really good point is you, for the people who really don't like conflict, but yeah. want to play a game with a group of people sitting in front of your own pool of whatever, whatever yeah. engine you're creating can be very fun for them. Mm-hmm. You, know? you don't get that stress of fighting with your friends. You yeah. don't need that. Um, and if you lose, you know, it's, it's basically like losing your own little mini game. It doesn't feel as yeah, bad, like Someone beat me over the head yeah. during the game. 
you know, we use um, Munchkin is is an example that we use of like a take that kind of game. And there's a lot of people who just hate that. Like the whole point of the game is just to screw with your opponents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. She Sydney does not like uh, Munchkin at all. Um, so something I really dislike in games. Um, too many fiddly bits. Too much setup time for what you get back. Um, there can be some really fun games out there, but if it takes me almost as long to set the game up as it does to play it, there's something going on here. And which is really sad to me because I love all the little things and bits when you open up the right. box and seeing all the cool things and then realizing, oh, I have to actually sort all these out, set all this up. And there's, there's some threshold and I haven't really found it yet. Cause I think it depends. It depends on how engrossing the game is. If the yeah. game's a two hour game and it's really awesome, then I don't mind all the fiddly bits. Right. Um, but if it's, you, you know, 45 minutes long, but you have 17 different resources and 63 different icons that you have to, it's just, yeah. I can especially see that for you because again, you're often in the position where you're teaching people the game. Therefore you're the one setting it up. Yep. Well, and, and that's tricky for me too, because when I'm, you know, t- teaching somebody a game, you show them something and they just, their eyes glaze over. Yeah. You know, you're mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, so anything. Well, you have to describe the 10 different kinds of pieces and give them all understandable names because yep. rule books don't always do that one. Yeah. Yep. Oh my God. Yeah. All right. So back to the positive. And I'm going to start here because I just thought of a, a really good one. I like games that put me on the edge of my seat. Throughout the entire game, I can't wait to see what's going to happen next. Uh, we just played a game, um, Captain Sonar. Uh, the game's kind of set up where each of you are control a station in a sub, and there's four people on each team. And it's a real-time game where people are calling out directions, and someone has to track everything, and someone's like managing the weapon systems and repairing the sub. And it's just the entire time, there's a level of intensity and suspense that you just, when you're done, you want to take a breath and be like, okay, let's do that again. Yeah, you know? no, I see. I don't think I've played many of those types of games. And that's why I'm intrigued. I feel like XCOM is one of those games. I kept saying to you I wanted to play yep. that. XCOM the board game is another one of those things where you're on the edge of your seat because it's a timed-based right. game. And it's like, oh, you have to get it. Um, I don't like all time-based games, but there's right. certain time-based games that are really, really fun and just kind of give you that adrenaline rush as you're playing it. Who Have you got a short list of, of ones that you would point out and say these ones are good? Um, I think XCOM is probably the best nice. that I've played so far. Captain Sonar is a really good. You need a, a bigger group to make it fun, uh, but that one's a How good one. How many would you say? Um, we were playing with three on a side. And it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, anything less than that, and you're probably looking where well, you'd probably go to the turn-based version of it, right. which is not as stressing. Right. Uh, but you can also look at games where when it's your turn, if only they don't do that, I can have the perfect turn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you're still kind of waiting. It's like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Oh man, you did it. Okay. Yeah. Now I have yeah. to think about everything else. So, all right. Can you give us another positive? Another positive. I love puzzles. I, but I don't want that to be the whole point of the game. I really, so I like incorporating them into a game. Um, what's the one where you build the board? <laughs> build the um, board. Where, yeah, like you have the pieces, you have to match up, and you build your roads. And oh, like Carcassonne? Yes, yep. yes, yes. I yep. love those because it's like a little puzzle, but you're also building. And 
Um, that's another one where people can really mess up your strategy where you're like, I need that one piece. And then the person in front of you pulls it out of the bag. Yep. I think, I think the puzzle aspect is a really good one too, because there's a lot of people who like to try to figure, solve the problem, solve a mini problem within the game. Mm -hmm. Um, If the game, the whole game was just a single puzzle, then we just call that a game. But if there's a game to be solved inside of it, those little mini games, Mm -hmm. I think that can be really interesting. What do you think about puzzles, Josh? Well, I mean, it's almost, again, really like meta because it's, it's, you know, games, are, you know, are kind of like problems, like you say, but some do it better than others and some are more interesting than others, are more interesting puzzles than others. And I think that's why you get a lot of nerdy people attracted to board games because it's like, oh man, like I just, my mind loves playing with puzzles. And it's that kind of mindset that that's drawn to board games. And it, I'm trying to think of some really good examples of that. Um well, of course, you mean nerdy and the cool, of course, smart. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. a huge nerd, and I think it's a compliment. So, yes. uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of the best examples I have of, of kind of puzzly, figure it out type games. Um, well, basically, any game where you're designing an engine. Um, yeah. Again, I'll go back to Scythe again. Yeah. When you're looking at your player pad and your faction faction um, sheets you're kind of working out a puzzle of what can I do to make this engine the most efficient thing. Um, That's one kind of puzzle of trying to figure things out. There are others that are, you know, truly here's this mini game within the game. Uh, There's, you know, uh, there's a Dracula game out there where you're, you're basically Dracula and everyone else is hunting them. And when you get into combat there, it becomes a completely different game. And it's sort of a puzzle of trying to figure out what your opponent's going to do. Uh, there's a little bit of rock, paper, scissors in there. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more elaborate than that. But what is Kitty going to play? Because I could beat her, even though she is going to... Logicking yeah, your way through it. Kind of figure out exactly what, you know. So those mm-hmm. kind of puzzles, those interpersonal puzzles can be fun as well. You know, Blood Rage is kind of the same way when you're playing combat there. What are they going to do? And, and right. it's not strictly a puzzle um, in, as far as you have all the information, but I like that puzzling aspect. So it's like game theory, you know, like the Cold War, the Russians and the Americans, you know, are they going to nuke us? Are they not? Are they going to play that crazy card that they've got? So I'm going to have to choose a different strategy. Yep. I see what you mean. So, um, And then you also have those really hardcore, well, I don't know if it's hardcore, but like, let's say a game like chess or Homeworlds that you and Sydney introduced me yep. to, which is really like, there's something pure about it in the sense it's very simple as a few moves, but the puzzle, it becomes elaborate in the base of like, once the game starts opening out, you have to really keep aware of how many things could happen because at any one time, lots of different moves can happen. And it's that whole, like in chess, thinking moves ahead to try and cover all the bases or what your opponent will or won't do. Well, you're touching on something I wanted to talk about um, that is... Randomness, not randomness. Right. Uh, unknown information, known information. Yeah. When you look at a game like chess, there is no randomness in that game. Right. And all of the information is known on the board. When you're playing that game, you are purely playing the person sitting across from you. Yep. If you're playing something, I'll use, you know, kind of a layman's game like Yahtzee. Mm-hmm. Um, you are rolling dice and you're playing against other people, sort of. You're just trying to get a better score. But what's happening there is you don't have a lot of control over the outcome of the game. 
or any control in Yahtzee, right? You know, you get a little bit, a little bit. Okay, because you're gonna roll. You can decide what you're rolling for. Yeah, you get you get one choice: is am I gonna re-roll this die or not? Okay, Mm -hmm. you know that's that's essentially your choice. Now, the Yahtzee mechanic is in a lot of different games that we see today, where you roll a pool of dice and you get to save some and then re-roll others. If you roll it three times, Mm -hmm. guess what? You're playing Yahtzee with a different. With right. some extra stuff added to it. So what do you guys think of, if we just look at random versus non-random games, um, most of today's games do include some element of randomness. So it is a sliding scale. But do you think more of a random game is more fun or a game that has very little randomness and it's almost all skill? So, Kitty, are you more of the slot machine side where you just want to see what happens and luck be have it? It's also a skill like equalizer if you're not good mm-hmm. at a game luck can normalize it or you're more like you know checkers chess where if i play exactly the right way i'm going to beat my opponent every time i'm a skill person i am all about i don't want to deal with the randomness that's messiness i want to strictly reason out what i am doing and when life throws things at me i get frustrated i like that what about you Josh? yeah i mean it It's funny because I'm similar. Definitely, if it's a spectrum, much more on the skill side. But I feel like I want some randomness. Like I don't want it to be pure chess because if I come up a grandmaster, you know, like it's my, it's it's the double-edged sword of the competitiveness kicking in because Mm -hmm. I know this person will beat me. I cannot really compete because they're so much better than me that I there's no kind of luck that's helping me out a little bit along the way. so, yeah, I like a bit of luck thrown in. I find it a little bit more interesting. There's a little bit more mystery. It's like sometimes you could be squaring off against someone you're like, I know I'm going to beat them because I know, you know. I'm just better than they are. And and I suppose that that kind of comes in, yeah. And then, so so I think it, it deserves, every game I want to have a bit of random in there, but let's call it 70-30. Okay. I think that the more skill-based games are a more satisfying win. Oh, yeah. it's your you are the winner. It's not just like, oh, I got lucky this time. That it is, is true. It's more satisfying. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, and that can be. Now, one of the things that I find with a pure skill-based game, um, and currently my favorite is Homeworlds, and uh, that's Looney Labs, Pyramids, Homeworlds. Look it one up. One-on-one game. Look it up. <laughs> um, think of it as space chess is the best way to describe it. I love playing this game. And Sydney and I started playing this at the same time. So we were both bad at the beginning. We didn't really know what the strategy was. And as we played, we would make each other better to the point where Mm -hmm. we wouldn't let the other person make a move that was in their, that was bad for them, challenging Mm -hmm. each other to find the best move. So we were teaching each other how to be good. And now when I play her, it's, it's still an equal match. However, if I was to teach this game to Kitty right now and play it with her, I think she'd be very, very frustrated yeah. because, you know, it's like playing the Grandmaster in chess. Right. I'm not a Grandmaster yeah. in Homeworld, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's, it's tricky to have those pure skilled games and bring in new players to it. So the random aspect, having some random games in your back pocket is, is very useful. Yeah. Um, so what do we think about all the information out there versus hidden information. Now, hidden information are things like, you know, you have a hand of cards. You don't know what that person has. Um, any, well, I guess that's kind of the biggest one mm-hmm. versus 
everyone sees what everyone has. Well, and- this this is a nice um, opener to what I was going to say of my other positive thing, which is an air of mystery. I really like in games, like something where I'm like, oh, what's going to happen or what's going to come out when this card is turned or, you know, what's going to happen when we get to that section of the dungeon, you know, sort of fog of war, hidden map or something. I like feeling like there's going to be a surprise or reveal at uh, some time. So I would say a mix is good because I don't want all of it to be hidden um, that because that's just too kind of what's going on. But like definitely some gives me an element of mystery. So I do enjoy that in a game. Having some hidden information. I enjoy the hidden hand. Um, I am a big card player. Uh, My husband's family is a big, big fan of spades. So (laughs) I am... uh, always sucked into that world. Um, so I enjoy that because it's about reading people too, as much as it is about reading the game. And um, that goes back to my first thing I like about games is playing with people. Yep. Uh, I'm not a solo player. So um, that air of mystery where you can try to reason out how they're acting, what they have in their hand uh, based on their behavior, you get to kind of speculate strategies. Wild speculation is like my favorite hobby. So nice. it's a place where I get to practice that. I wonder if there's a game called Conspiracy Theory, because that would be fun to play. <laughs> uh, no, I also agree. I think another thing it does, though, is when you have... It's not only trying to figure out what other people have that's hidden to them. Yeah. It's that you have something hidden. Yeah. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, I had the perfect you combination. Wait, this is going to blow everyone's mind yeah. when it comes out. Yeah. Yep. Until someone plays a card just before you, totally screwing you. Yeah. But <laughs> it, it does, it puts you on the edge of your seat. Right. Because oh, I, I like have that you say that like you're not the person who does that to me every time we play a game. Stop sitting to my left. I really should. <laughs> that is a good idea. When you play with Chris, don't sit to his left. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, yeah. What about game length? What mm. do you think about that? Like, what's the perfect length of a game where you're actually sitting down? It's a game night. It's not a casual thing. Mm-hmm. You have four people around a table. How much time is too short? How much time is too long? Like, where is your sweet spot there? I'm willing to play, like, the all-night marathon Games. I grew up where every Thanksgiving we would play a three-day game of Risk between my cousin and my sister. That's so cool. Um, <laughs> Honestly, no, I'm not being sarcastic. That's yeah. cool. Uh, so that was always, like, Risk was kind of my go-to board game for many, many years. Um, and that one can go forever. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's... You know, you don't actually want to play a game that you have to leave on the table for three days. What is it, the Seinfeld, where he's carrying around the board with him? <laughs> or if yeah. there's pets, you know, in the house. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, this could, this could all... Wait, was I there or did the cat move me? I don't <laughs> right. Know. But, like, see, I can imagine there being tensions in a, in a three-long-day game of Risk. Like, how, how did that play out? Was everyone fine? Well, I suppose it was family, but... Um. It gets heated. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I'm a peace thrower too, so. Right. I get I feel you. I feel you. Like, I, I would, was, like, after two days of planning something and someone destroys my thing, oh man, I'd be like mm-hmm. chucking well, the whole turkey at someone. So there are a couple of games. <laughs> now that I know this about Kitty, because I did not know this, there are a few games that I'm going to rope you into. Almost anything set in space. Mm-hmm. So Star Trek Ascension, that's a nice long game. Yeah. Uh, Forbidden Stars, want to get that to the table. Uh, Twilight Imperium is another one that I have yet to actually play because 
most people aren't in it for the six hour yeah. game. Uh, so we're going to try out some. That's one that Jess has recommended to me before. Twilight Imperium. Twilight Imperium. Yep. Yeah. I take it. It's the Twilight, the kind of the franchise Twilight. With uh, the no, vampires no, and- no, no, no. Oh, right. Oh boy. You just offended. Oh, no. If we had more than a dozen <laughs> listeners, you would have offended more than a dozen people. Um, uh, what do Twilight I know? Imperium I'm a, I'm a foreigner. Is, it's a space game where it's basically a 4X game, expand, explore, exterminate. Like the Star else. Trek game we played. Yes. And it is a big game, big box, lots of pieces. Uh, it's, it's really something to behold. Right. And there's several expansions to it. Uh, it's TI three is Twilight Imperium. 3. Oh, so that's this was the, from guys, the dice tower. They yes. were making fun of that. Something simple and easy yes. like TL three. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So it is anything but simple and easy. Uh, yeah. Um, but it is a long game. And if you're going to play a long game, everyone playing it, must be in for the long game. Yes. It only takes one person is like, I'm bored of this to ruin that uh, game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So what about you, Josh? Where does your, I'm up, I'm up for long games. I, I really de- I, The thing is, is you made some stipulations at the beginning. Like you're sitting down, you're, you almost loaded the question of being like, it's going to be a long one. Almost. It's, it's going to okay? be a game night. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you can still have a game night and have lots of small games. Like, you know, I don't know if I'm with, it depends on the crowd I'm with. If it like, if I know some people aren't hardcore gamers, then I definitely don't want it to be because I'm I'm empathetic and I'm thinking of other people and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, like he's really not into hardcore strategy games, so I'm gonna have to like do something casual and fun that we're all gonna. But then personally, uh, I would I would happily play an all nighter game like a three day risk. I'm up for that. Yep. Um, well, we played Arcadia Quest for I think it was something like eleven hours straight. Yeah, and, and it did not feel like that. We were yeah. literally like, wait, what? It's 6 p.m.? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just when you really get engrossed. And, and I do. I get I get lost in things. So, And if they're captivating and a great game, then I will just play it for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, yeah I think I like, I like some meat to my game. Um, right. I think less than an hour is a ultra casual game. Mm-hmm. And I can enjoy those. But if I play something and it took 45 minutes... And I was like, okay, that was, that was all right. I didn't feel like I had enough time to really invest in it and like watch a strategy play out. Um, one of the things I wrote down for this is one of the things I really love in a game is player or character development, right. you know, taking something and steering it into something else. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can get that from really short games. I do like the fact that in those longer games, you have room to manipulate and really spread out. Now, the one thing I will say about long games that I do not like is when there is no catch-up mechanic, when you can right. get shut out. Within mm. the first two yeah. hours, you've had a couple bad turns, and no matter what you do, you're you're done. Yeah. yeah. Don't like those kinds of games. Yep. Um, the catch-up mechanic, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, it just gives you a handicap if you get behind. It's like, yeah, but there's a reason for that. That's It makes the game fun. Yeah. I don't want to be that person that's on the outskirts just watching other people play the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's a important caveat to the long game. But yeah, no, we're going to play a very long game of, we're going to play Forbidden Stars. That game okay. is a, an incredibly long game right. uh, from what I've heard. I own it. I've read it. I everything about it looks cool. I 
Just we need to sit down Forbidden and stars. have five hours to play it. Yep. Is this the new game? It is a new game by uh, Fantasy Flight. Right. It's based on the Warhammer 40k universe. Ooh. So it's like space orcs and things like that. I remember seeing nice. the box now. Yep. That looked cool. Uh, it is a reskin with some modifications of StarCraft, the board game. Uh, Fantasy Flight lost their StarCraft license, got the 40k license, and kind of... Very similar games. There's a few things that are different. Sure. How you win the game is different. Uh, but essentially, it's the same thing. And like I said, I've heard good things. And it's definitely worth holding it, uh, putting some time into. So the next question I have, we're talking about fun. And do there's a lot of ways that you, people express fun. Sitting around, laughing, having fun at a game. You can say, okay, people are having fun because they're laughing and that kind of thing. Yep. Um, a good example of this would be more casual games yeah. such as uh, Code Names yeah. or Cards Against Humanity or mm-hmm. Apples to Apples if you know, you're still like playing the party that. game. Like the party games. Do you find that laughter equals fun for the game itself? So take a look. Let's, let's look at – I don't want to pick on it, but let's say Cards Against Humanity – um, Josh, you played Cards Against Humanity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, is Cards Against Humanity fun? Yes, but it's a different kind of fun. Yeah. I I have, like, there's almost two different kinds of games in my mind. It's party games and tabletop, like, serious games. Strategy. Yep. Strategy. Um, like, if I was having anyone over for a party, I know I can pull out Apples to Apples, um, Cards Against Humanity, Telestrations, uh, games like that, that anyone will sit down. There's going to be silly pictures drawn or hilarious references made. Everyone's going to have a good time. Yeah. But it's a different kind of good time than the marathon, sit down, I'm going to strategize. Mm. Um, and something about those games is like, there's usually not really a winner. Yes. Even if there is a winning mechanic, it's yeah. not really about winning. It's right. about getting together, having fun, talking. Yeah. yeah. The games you can play where if you don't keep score, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's just the act of doing it is the fun part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think most people get that, you know, it's that, that, like you say, completely two different types of fun. I think with, you know, things like charades, the, the fun is just like seeing your friends act a bit silly and like kind of a reason to kind of do something a bit stupid or, um, you know, controversial or making jokes. Um, whereas I feel like these hardcore strategy games are more like a really cool, fun workout for your brain. You know, yes. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm, and, and pitting that almost like pitting your mind against someone else's mind and being like, you know, can I be the best? You know, especially for the comp- comp- competitive ones. Yeah. I would, I would say, because I had a, I don't want to say heated debate, but a debate with Sydney on whether or not I liked code names. So, um, code names, grade of 25 words, yeah. a clue giver gives out a one word clue and a number and tries to get the team to guess their words without guessing the other team's words. Mm-hmm. This is an interesting game. If I'm the clue giver, I find it's a little bit more fun because yeah. I get to try to figure out that puzzle. Yeah. Um, if I'm the clue guesser, it's okay. I spend my time waiting a lot because it's really hard to give clues. So people are spending right. a lot of time thinking. Mm-hmm. I'm, I will always play the game with casual non gamers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I have a gaming group together though, I'm never it's going not to recommend it. Yep. I'm never going to say let's play code names. I'm never, ever, ever going to say let's play cards against humanity. Um, in that gamer 
community. But so if it's a drunken party, cards against humanity. That's what right. I was just gonna say. <laughs> Even if you it's can a drunken drink and play, right. it's a different kind of game than. Yep. Uh, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if if even if it's a whole party full of gamers, they're st- still going to have a great time playing those types of games. There's mm-hmm. a great one um, that's like you stick, you know, famous people's names in a hat. First round, it's like charades, so you, you just can't say their, you know, name. You can't or, talk. Yep. Um, but then the second round is. Um, uh, just gestures but the thing is you're recycling the pot of names so it gets really funny because like all the stereotypes come out when you know um i don't know if it's hitler. like a terrorist yeah if it's hitler mm-hmm. some people start doing the nazi sign and it's yeah. just like it can get really rambunctious and hilarious that way and i just think you know no matter who you are if you're at a party those kind of games are fun but if it's a game night like you say and everyone's down for a serious game then you know let's let's have a, a serious challenge yep mm-hmm. yep i agree all right so for you is winning fundamental to having fun in other words if you have a board game or a game in general where every time you play you are likely going to lose is that game fun for you in that you're still trying to win or is just like, I'm just not good at that game. Therefore I, it's not fun for me. Where do you guys fall on that? That's really tough. Like, because immediately I think, no, like if I, if I can't compete, like as someone who likes winning and likes being competitive, if I can't compete at all and I'm just losing like, Oh man, that's going to annoy me so much. Um, I would have to feel like I had even a slim chance of competing to possibly win. Um, maybe I could play again and again if I felt really close every time and I kept losing. But otherwise... All right, what about you, Kitty? Same. All right. uh, if there's no chance, what's the point? Right. Um, if, but if God, you're getting close... why do we even close, play with Chris? Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now I'm going to flip it around, though. What about a game where you win all the time? No matter who you play, you just win all the time. Is that fun, Kitty? It depends on if people will still play with me. <laughs> I <laughs> feel <a> yes. <laughs> I keep winning. I'll crush I don't know. people all day um, long. No, no, that's if, that's fair. If it's still like I need to think about it to win, then yes, it's fun because it's not just like like if I just don't even have to think about it at that point, yeah, then it's not fun anymore. Right. Um but if I'm like doing my best, like strategizing, I'm just apparently a savant at this one game. <laughs> um, then, as long as I'm still engaged in it, yeah, it's still fun. Um, I like winning. What about you, I'm the same. I think, yeah, you'd really have to be so far ahead of other people to be bored of it. Um, the thing is, the only caveat to that I'll give is I'm I'm empathetic enough that. If I was playing the same people, if you're like, if I'm like regularly playing my friends, I'd feel terrible about it. Eventually, I would enjoy yeah, it for the first. <laughs> yeah, Chris, um, I'd enjoy it for the first like you know quite a lot of times, <laughs> but eventually I would feel bad, you know, and I'd be like, oh, you know, like, and especially if it's someone's really new to a game that I want them to like, that's a, that's another area where I'm happy to lose because I'm like, I want you to play this game, I I want you to get good at this so that you can challenge me on it, and therefore I don't want to like crush you the first time three times you play it and then you never come back. Yep, I will be honest. Um, there are certain people I don't mind winning against but if i'm playing somebody new or somebody i don't really know that much or someone who is far more serious about winning than me Mm. i would rather lose 
because I know I'm not going to be as upset about it. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to throw the game. Sure. I'm I was just going to say, do you lose on purpose n- ever? No. Um, well, I can't say I think ever. He's lying. I can't say he's ever, lying. but usually not. Usually right. I'm not throwing the game. But I may play a little bit more loose than I would. Right. You know. I think that ties back to you playing the, the disadvantage. Yep. Yes. You I think that's how you kind of level that playing field. Yes. And I and I try to do that because number one is more of a challenge for me that way. And number two, if they really want to win and they're able to beat me, and I'm legitimately trying, I'm just coming from maybe from a disadvantaged position. That good that's great. Mm-hmm. I can enjoy someone else's win just as much as if I won. And this goes back to your little story. I think I feel like you should in a nutshell it again about you playing Monopoly like 50 times over a summer or something. <laughs> That's, yes, when I was, oh God, this was fifth grade, I guess. Um, summer between fifth and sixth grade. I played Monopoly probably three or four times a day for the entire summer. With and the same person. With right? the same person. And he was probably three or four years older than I was. So mm-hmm. I guess in fifth grade in like nine or 10. So he was, you know, probably 13, 14. And he would just beat me every single time. But I loved playing. I, I loved playing. Because I kept trying to just figure out. It's like, all right, what am I doing wrong? Weird. It's well, a bit weird, isn't it? I, I mean, yeah. it's just our minds can't even comprehend I know. That. How would you keep up with that? Like? I, to this day, don't play Monopoly. Well, ever. I don't play Monopoly well, anymore. That's, that's, well, yeah. I mean, but that's a different in, thing. I mean, the fact 80s, that he was just the fact that, yeah, what, when, yeah. It's just the fact that you kept going back to a, a losing position. Yeah. Well, the thing was for me, I guess, is I was trying to learn from him. Right. I was trying to see mm-hmm. what was he doing and then compensating for it. And then he would just compensate for my compensation. Mm. And watching that is a very, very interesting thing to me. Playing someone who's so much better is like, what are you doing that's different? Ah, I see what's going on. And I think over the years, I can now look at different people playing and different strategies and say, this one looks like this would be better than that one. I'm going to try that out. I can see Mm -hmm. that because it's it's definitely the case, like when I played a lot of games with you, because again, you've read the rule books inside out, you know it so well. I do enjoy learning how to get better at whatever it is we're playing. And I can do that through watching some stuff you're doing because you're a few steps ahead of me. And I'm like, actually, yeah, that's good. Okay. I'm going to like model some of this. And then like you say, you probably just recalibrate for next time and I'll learn even more next time. I can see that. Yep. So it's, I don't know. I think it's interesting. The win lose ratio. Cause if you're playing a four player game, even if you're all equal, you're losing 75% of the time. So you don't have to win every game to be fun, but I think you're right, Kitty. You, you have to have the chance of being mm-hmm. able to win. Mm-hmm. Um, a few other things I think most people will agree on is interesting choices. Um, if it's a game that has no choices, it's not worth playing. Right. Um, there's a very popular game called LCR, left, center, right, which is literally you roll a die and you either pass a ship to the left you keep it or you pass it to the right based on the die result. There's zero decisions you make at any point in this game and you just keep playing until everyone's eliminated. What? That's, and it's, you can find it in every pharmacy, CVS, Walgreens, game store, uh, target. But that's because it's more of a casual game. Right? It is certainly, it came out of a drinking game as uh, it should for yeah. something like that. Um, but interesting decisions, I think is important at really all stages of the game. I think that, you know, having some kind of strategy that you can work towards is also important. 
there are certain games out there where your strategy changes every single turn because you just don't have enough information. Personally, mm-hmm. I don't like those kind of games. Right. What do you think about that? Versus, you know, so an example of this would be a strategy that you can work towards um, would be something like Dominion, where you have ten cards that you can purchase on the board. It's a deck building game. Ten different cards. That's the whole cards. There's ten of each one of those. Versus something like modern deck builders where there's a stack of cards and there's five available to buy at any one time. So by the time it gets to your turn, you may not have anything that kind of fits in your deck. So, you know, you just kind of, you're making the best choice at the moment versus long-term strategy. Where do you, I have a feeling I know the answer to this, but where do you guys' preferences lie? Do you need that long-term plan ability or are you okay just making the best decision in the moment? Josh? Hmm... It's a tough one. I mean, because I feel like a lot of the games have elements of both and it's hard to think of one where, I, I mean, okay, you've given a good example there, but um, I feel like, yeah, I think, feel like kind of a bit of both is good. I mean, like Homeworlds is great and I feel like there's there's just one goal at the start and I think that's your long-term plan is just that. But then at the same time, there's lots of what am I doing right now in the moment? So I, I think a good balance of both is nice. Okay. I'm a long-term strategy fan. I um, I don't mind though the deck builders where you have, because you do have six choices, usually there's at least one that fits with your strategy. Right. There is a good choice there. Um. It's the ones where oh, I can't think of a good example right now, but where it just feels like every turn it's like uh, I have to do something now. Um, yeah, that- that's true. I mean, I suppose it's best to have a long term plan that's kind of you can understand. I think there's been a few games where I'm like, I don't understand how to be good at this game, and it's gonna and it's gonna take me way too many plays than I'd like to understand what my long-term strategy should be and where I should be putting my events. Even Scythe, to a certain extent, I wasn't immediately like, oh, okay, this is how I win the game. It was like I had to play two or three times Mm -hmm. to actually understand. And I would prefer, once I got there, I really loved the game, but I'd prefer it if I knew from the start and it was easy to understand, this is what you should be focusing on. Um, and that it's not this kind of a, a bit of a confusing mess of like, oh, where do I put my energy and resources and time, you know? Right. Yeah, I, I personally, I really like the long-term strategy games. I don't like when every single turn, it's just, well, what's the best I can do in this situation? Mm. It's It's okay, and I can play those games, but I don't feel like at the end, I did anything to accomplish that win. Isn't... isn't- aren't games like isn't poker a good example of that where that works quite well so poker if you look at an individual hand yeah you are making a decision on that moment yeah like best thing to do in that moment right but poker isn't about an individual hand poker is about a mm. long term how many different hands yeah that's and true. how you play those hands if you play them consistency consistently with a long-term strategy you are going to win right more often than that person that is just living in the moment mm-hmm. and hoping for that you know, outside ace on the last card. Sure. Yeah. So I suppose what you're saying is, is if you play it in a kind of casual way, it can seem like a moment to moment thing, but really the hardcore sort of people who strategize really well with poker, they are they're, playing a long game. They're they playing are, the long game. And that's why they're really good. Yep. And right. that's why, yeah, that's why they're rated well. So we're running close to time. So I basically want to have one last question and that is player interaction and the amount of time between turns. 
Where do you, I mean, I don't think anyone's like, I really want to wait an hour between every turn because I like going out and, you know, mowing the lawn between turns or anything like that. But are you okay with games that have almost no activity for the person whose turn it is not? Um, Where does that balance lie? How much time can pass before you're like, I just, I can't play this game because I'm just doing nothing for too much of it. Kitty. I'll strategize all day. Oh I will God, take all day to take my turn. I actually don't like games where I feel rushed to take a turn. If I'm playing with people who they take their turn quick, 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 and then they're all watching me. Yeah. That makes me too stressed out. So, I would rather take my time. I, and, so you, I, and I really feel like this question, Chris, was just to attack us for being <laughs> classic <laughs> AP play. No, 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 I'm kidding. Um, but like, I, I'm the same way. Like, I love having the time. And I, and I almost feel it's on the onus of the game to make sure that there is something for other people to do. Mm-hmm. If, if people are getting annoyed because they can't do anything whilst, you know, they can't think about what else they can do or future turns, then the game's messed up because like you say, there shouldn't mm-hmm. be that pressure on me. Like I want to think of every angle because I want to be good at this and I'm mm-hmm. competitive. Chris is like, oh, just take a turn. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're not going to win anyway. I'm like, I, I need to win. <laughs> so I... I am actually okay waiting a reasonable amount of time between turns. You were talking a lot mm. of empathy, and I sort of have the same thing where sure. I'm having fun at a, at a table if everyone else is having fun. Right. If I see a whole bunch of people that are bored as someone's taking a yeah. long time, mm-hmm. I feel bad for those people, and therefore I start thinking about, okay, what can we do to make this more fun, which mm. is usually thinking of a different game. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, But I think, I think it's reasonable to expect that if you're playing a four-player game, you're not waiting more than 10 minutes between your turns. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. for like an in-depth game. That gives yeah. every person about three to five minutes on average to take their turn. I think that's fair. Right. Uh, if you go much further than that, then you can start to get bored. Like, really, if you can go watch a sitcom between turns. But the thing is, is aren't, isn't there like ways to mitigate against that? Like, if the game has something for you to do while that 15 minutes is going on, maybe that's fine. Yes. And that's what I want to, what I'm mm-hmm. getting at is we, when a game has long turns, I think it really needs to involve the other players yep. more often. I think the other players need to have some input into it. Well, you have to be paying attention to what each player is doing because each player, or at least in a good game, mm. what other players are doing is directly affecting what you should be doing. You are thinking about your turn based on the information you have with what other people have done on their turns. Um, It's not, you don't just play in a vacuum. um, Yeah. And it goes, it goes back to the planning thing. It's like, you know, if it's a game that involves a long-term plan and you have to think about multiple moves, then, you know, you can do that while you're waiting for your turn and, and thinking about all the different possibilities people might throw at you. You can kind of do that, the game in your mind a bit, kind of mm-hmm. playing the future. Well, another kind of game that this just made me think of is the simultaneous planning games, where everyone takes their turn at the same time, and then you resolve. That's so nice. those kind of games, you're waiting for the longest person, yep. mm-hmm. but everybody has something to do in that 
phase. And then the resolution phase is usually just the mechanics of figuring out what happened based on your decision. Uh, so that's kind of a good game that you, good type of game you could play if you're playing with a lot of, you know, AP players. It's like, all right, let's just play a simultaneous game so I can go when you go. And actually, I have a really good example of one case where that might it might be advantageous to increase the length. And it's not your typical strategy board game. So, you know, forgive me, it's more of a casual game. But is this uh, the you might guys might have played this, but picture telephone that we actually call illustrations. Right. Yes. Okay. Right. And and the the thing about that is is if you rush people to take a quick turn in that game. The aren't the, so the idea of the game is that you, uh, you know, you draw, um, one thing that a sentence, someone writes a sentence, pass it to your left. That person, the next person draws something based on that sentence, passes to your left. The next person writes a new sentence based on the picture. And the, the, you get so much cool creative stuff when you give people a decent amount of time to come up mm-hmm. with something. And if you rush people, it's lame. It's straightforward. It's not funny. So here's, there's just one example of, of, yeah something is different yeah now i certainly don't like rushing people and, and mm. i've played with both of you many times yeah and i hope that i every once in a while i'd be like okay you're overthinking this <laughs> yeah. but usually i don't have a problem with how long people take to take their turn especially okay. in a two-player game i'll wait forever it doesn't really bother me mm-hmm. right um so yeah i definitely don't want to say sometimes i do want to put an egg timer on every once in a while but not always sure <laughs> Sure. So I'd like I think, to note that Chris is pointing at Josh more than me. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Um, <laughs> so I think that's a uh, pretty good reboot episode, episode, I guess. I like it. Um, mm-hmm. Thanks, Kitty, for joining us. And she'll continue to join us. We'll, we're going to work her into the art somehow. Um, there's some debate as to whether or not she becomes a little pixie or an actual person or she's a... All right. We can take suggestions, guys. Guys. (laughs) I'm a real boy. Suggestions. Have a look at the art and send them in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to send that over to Tristan and just say, hey, work her in. So um, I think that's it for this episode. So, Josh, why don't you uh, take us out? Sure. As soon as I unlock this. You know, I need to. We've got, I've got like an iPad in front of me, and every two minutes it deactivates, and I have to unlock it and do the password. Anyway, here we go. All right. (laughs) Probably here we go. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> that <shit>. seemed genuine. <laughs> um, right. So <laughs> we would love to hear from you about the new format. Email us with comments or questions at tabletopgametalk at gmail.com. You can also reach me on Twitter at Josh's Blonde or Chris at Game Master Chris. And of course, you can leave a post on our Facebook page, Google Plus Group, or our boardgamegeek.com pages. As always, we'd like to thank Tristan Dunman for our cover art. She can be reached at Twitter at Tristan Dunman. Until next week, when we talk about learning and teaching new games, keep playing games and having fun. Later. Bye. So episode four, this is, uh, I guess this was kind of our first episode. Josh actually wanted to delete episodes one through three after we did this one. <laughs> um, you know what we need? We need to actually get Josh here. Um, hold on one second. Howdy. Look who's <laughs> back from the dead. You need to make some like fake phone dialing noises or something. <laughs> hey, I snapped my fingers and Josh showed up. That's what it's supposed to be like. <laughs>
<laughs> so Josh, should we we actually did end up deleting episodes one, two, and three. I know I saw that in the feed and I was like, and oh, zero. why did we end up doing it? Apparently it was my fault. It was. Oh, we deleted episode zero. <laughs> I oh, I gotta put that one back. I liked episode zero. Please do. <laughs> I don't think I ever listened to zero. Um, it was just me and Josh talking. It was like two minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just Josh and I talking about why we were, you know, qualified to do a podcast. And I think the summary was we were. <laughs> Which we still are not. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. So. Turns out we probably still yeah. aren't qualified. <laughs> the thing that really made me, that kind of set me back on, on episode four is it is most like our current format than any of the other episodes that we're going to be talking about in the near future, which, which yeah. was, here's a topic. Let's just start talking about it. Uh-huh. So I don't know. What did you guys think of it? So Fletcher, you were not on the episode. So I'm guessing this is the first time you heard it. Yes, this is the first time I heard this episode. <laughs> uh, actually, like like you said, the, the format was very, very similar. Um, it is funny how you you put it now. Um, like, now let's get on topic. Like, we still have the yeah. same segments, but like they're broken up much more formally back then. Now it's a little bit more informal, but it's a still the yeah. same idea. Yeah. Well, it used to be off topic, on topic. And now that's why you read Tabletop Game Talk on topic, because it's just the entire on topic section. Because we pulled but Kickstarter out. <laughs> well, yeah. Like I say, things organically change. It's just our... <laughs> It's just our delightful banter that's off topic now. Yeah. It used to be a just say it's tabletop game talk, period. Because <laughs> none of these episodes we are revisiting really have a lot of kicks. There was like a point in time where like half the episode would just be Chris talking about Kickstarter. It was a- and that's what we really needed to stop. <laughs> and that's why Kickstarter became its own thing in Kickstarter edition. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. We're back in episode four. <laughs> Mindset. Episode four. Um, I think that's the right sound. <laughs> there you go, Fletcher. <laughs> yeah. There's my heart music that I wanted. <laughs> so, Josh, episode four, re-listening. Where's your mind? You know... What what struck me was I was remembering because Kitty just joined the podcast, her first episode, and I remember how it went down. It was really fun because Gloria and I were camping out in I don't know Wisconsin or something, <laughs> and I get this drunk text at like one a.m. while I'm like still awake <laughs> in the tent from Chris and maybe Kitty as well, being like, "Hey, Josh, oh yeah, we were both together. I had an interesting <laughs> idea. My friend Kitty should join us. It's her birthday." Um. So it was just really hilarious. Now we're hilarious, out at Christina's place doing karaoke thing. for my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was slurring my speech over text as well. I'm certain of it. You do yeah. do that. <laughs> <laughs> so it is funny the way that drunk texting does come across. It do, it's not slurring, but I can tell. <laughs> um, he wasn't intoxicated, but recently Spencer had to be put under <laughs> for a test. And when he woke up, he sent me some really good text messages. <laughs> Autocorrect yeah. has really got to work overtime. <laughs> well, <laughs> who knew that that drunken text at 1 a.m. at some little dive bar that Spencer liked um, ended up turning into... Christina's place, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> so that was episode four. That was almost 200 episodes ago right because we've just we just recorded almost four years so that's crazy um if you keep listening from four on 
there's a lot of times where we reference like, oh, episode 20. Oh, my God. I can't believe we made it this far. I know. What a milestone. (laughs) (laughs) We got to like 10 and 11. It's like, oh, double digits. This is amazing. So, yeah. Kitty, have your views on fun changed since then? I don't know if my views on fun have changed since then, but my my opinions on what games I have fun playing have certainly changed. <laughs> <laughs> like 180 changes. I talk about how much I enjoy long games. I'm like, now I've got 45 minutes in me, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't think we ever played any of the long games we talked about playing in that episode. I, yeah, I... Not a single one of them. Not a single one. We've never played Twilight Imperium, Forbidden Stars, even Hogwarts Battle, which uh, it tans (laughs) We played (laughs) two years of. (laughs) Like, nothing that we talked about was actually played. Uh, Yeah. But. Yeah, so that's a big one. Not as into long games. But that was the start of a tradition of a bunch of things we would say we would do and never actually did. That's true. Um, I also believe I said I didn't like co-op games. Now some of my favorite games are co-op games. And this was before I really came to the realization that um, take that games make me an unpleasant person and nobody wants to play them (laughs) with me. And I have more fun and everyone else has more fun if I don't play super, even like games with high player interaction. I shouldn't be playing. Well, and it's not that you interact <laughs> with other players, which makes it bad. It's that when other players interact with you, it makes it bad. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Ah, uh, the things we learn. <laughs> I've become so much more self-aware. Yeah. I've really grown in these <laughs> almost four years. <laughs> what about you, Josh? What about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of doubling down these days on the games that really like create connections between people and, you know, force that kind of... P- person-to-person interaction anything that kind of bonds people or gets them socializing uh, that's why i always love social deduction games or casual games in general but i actually came across this amazing thing that maybe you couldn't even consider a game but it's by this uh, organization called the school of life and it comes in a box and it has a dice but it's conversation card and the idea behind it is that these deep questions are on each card and some of them are kind of almost uncomfortable subjects that people don't normally talk about but when it's on a card it, people open up because it's like, oh, well, the game's making me. And I've had some amazing experiences getting to know people, even, you know, Gloria, my partner, we've been together 10 years now. And even we're finding out new things from each other from these deep probing questions. And um, yeah, so many people who I've done it had, you know, played this with at, at parties and things are like, where, what is this game? Like, I want to know more about it and follow up. So I'll have to um, give you the information, put it in the show notes. But I love that uh, getting to know people and, and kind of doubling down on that since since then no offense but if there's a die it kind of sounds like a intro intro to a cult (laughs) 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 man i got this game where you get to really know people it's super fun let me tell you all about it join us spend (laughs) join us (laughs) join us fletcher join us (laughs) so fletcher we talked on your first episode which, spoiler alert, will be a flashback episode coming up in a, in a few weeks. Um, but let's, I'm interested in your view on what we found was fun that you were surprised that we said that, yeah, we like that kind of thing. Um, I don't think I was actually really that surprised about anything. I mean, the thing that jumped out <laughs> at me was like turn length. Uh, I guess I was surprised maybe a little bit. Chris, because you said that, like, oh, as long as people are having fun, 
like then that's fine i don't really care about the turn length so much um and i was like oh really because like that's great if other people are having fun but if the turns take forever then like i'm not having fun like that's yeah i take fun i take that back (laughs) I think Chris has come to care a lot more about winning. Feel free to correct no, me, Chris. No, no, no. I have come to care a lot more about, um, I guess, everyone being involved all the time. Like, those have become my favorite games where you, you don't even think about turn length because everyone's always doing something. Um, but it's And it's not really about winning. At Keyforge, sure, I like winning on Keyforge. But for the most part... And you like winning co-ops. Well... I mean, we've all gone to more co-op-y stuff, right? Yeah. And you like winning scenario games. You like... I think that you don't like beating other people. True. Well, I don't... But I think you like winning. I do like winning. (laughs) He does like winning. (laughs) It's hard because they're so intertwined with each other. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I, I think over the years, I've come to realize that like subtle difference in you don't like beating people, but you do still enjoy winning. I do enjoy winning. One thing that really uh, jumped out at me is I said that I liked, well, two things actually. First, I said I liked reading rule books. I could just read rule books and be happy with that. That's no longer the case. I yeah. am done with rule books. Um, read enough. I've just, uh, now I watch, I'm actually watching people play the game over reading the rule book. Just, <laughs> because I would rather do that. Um, but the other thing that I said is I like games that keep you on the edge of your seat. And at the time, I was talking about like real-time games and like those types of things. But the my two most favorite games right now, one of the reasons why they are my favorite game is because of that edge-of-your-seat feel. And that's Arkham Horror, the card game, which to mm-hmm. me, so that game, you reach in, you pull out a token and see what the result is. If you're just reaching in, pulling out the token, looking at it, and dropping the token back in the bag, you're doing it wrong. That is not how you play that game. You reach in. You put a token in your hand. You pull your hand out as a fist, and you hold it there, knowing that you have the fate of your life, or at least that particular skill test, in your (laughs) hand. That just – there's something about the feeling of that versus just rolling a die or peeking at the the value and seeing if you won or not that keeps that game suspenseful. That game's the cult game. (laughs) <laughs> the game is a cult game. <laughs> yes, it is. I agree. <laughs> and, but the other one is Cthulhu Death May Die. So, I mean, I don't really care for Cthulhu theme all that much. But what the games can do in that theme are very, very fun to me. And Death May Die, you're always on the edge of your seat as to whether or not you could win. So, I I stand by that. The rest of it, yeah, all of that could be a little change. Although character development, that's a big one too. And both my favorite games have character development in there as well. So So I just have one question for you, Chris, after listening to this episode. And that is, do you regret telling me that it was my job to disagree with you? <laughs> so you just have one question. Um, and it is, do you regret telling me to disagree with you? I don't know that it would have changed anything. <laughs> <laughs> i was always just gonna be disagreeable <laughs> yeah although you did st- but i heard you you were like no you can't agree with me all the time and then i thought of our kickstarter <laughs> episode and i thought of our um oh there's so many good ones what else is in the vault rule we books we're not allowed to talk about rule anymore. books anymore oh, too. rule books we can't talk rule books we can't talk about uh 
exclusives. Yeah. Should exclusives be non-exclusive? We can't talk about the business of <laughs> games in general. No. Yeah. It's all been shut out <laughs> because I'm too good at disagreeing with you. <laughs> uh, that's right. That's what keeps things interesting. All right. Now, the one thing for episode four, we did not have a Patreon. Um, we had, I think, literally 15 downloads of that. If that. Yeah. And most of them were our friends or us. Um yeah, I was going to say I downloaded it on two devices to make it look yeah. better. <laughs> and and I and I'm not being facetious. We had 15 downloads. Like yeah. we just started throwing this out there and and see what happens. Um but these days we do have Patreon. And we're doing a number of these flashback episodes in in succession. Um but we don't want to leave out our current patrons, but we are not going to cut out the patrons that were our patrons during that show either because that's kind of going to be a fun thing to see over time (laughs) how those go however we are going to have josh read the patron names so we're going to end this episode it's been a while what are are these epilogues is that what sort of what this is we'll call it an epilogue episode epilogue um with josh reading out our patron names is it my turn to do it are you ready for this do it now Mm -hmm. all right well, finally, a huge thank you to our patrons. Adam Harrison, The Gift of Games, Jason Strong, Terrence Miltner, Stephen Sykes, Brian Arnold, Sean P. Ketty, C. Marie, Rudy Liu, Benjamin Heimowitz, Jerry Huang, Caleb O'Brien, Jennifer Engelbrick, Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Flesher, David Radke, Nick Quistra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Lum, Phil Swartzel, Anne Reynolds, Eric Huffman, Adrian Dong, Faz Flintum, Sean Peck, Eric Salander, Mike Smith, Joe Hoover, Glenn Cotter, Don Gilstrap, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verhulst, Christopher Letko, John Lewis, Joe Rackstad, Ron Nelson, Sarah Wentworth, Weatherman Keefe, Nicholas Lott, Angnes Toth, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, Matthew <laughs> Droke, Aaron Moore, Jesse Wheeler, Charles Pearson, David Rank, Sam Lacett-Brown, and Christopher Comstock. Oh. <laughs> Don't worry, Sahara, and, oh, what is the other one? Oh, Jerry, we are going to keep Josh doing this until he gets it correct, so. <laughs> oh, God, I'm sweating buckets. <laughs> that was stressful. <laughs>